Hello, hello, hello out there. This is uh, Brother Fred with the Discipleship Bible Study Group once again coming at you. Tonight we have our pastor uh, Michelle, we have T Sister Tiffany, and we have a special guest tonight, Sister Carol joining in us. We're going to have a good time tonight. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to talk about God, the great creator, the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all the universe. We're going to ask the two questions, who or what is God and why? Why did he create us? Because for non-believers, and we say, oh, you got to believe in God. Oh, you need to go to church. You need to read your Bible. But what if they don't believe in God? What if they don't believe that the Bible is real? What if they don't want to go to church? How are we going to communicate these words to people, okay? The message to people, God's, Jesus' message, the gospel, and one of the things we like to do with the DBSG, we are a Bible-based group. We are based on the faith and testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are preaching the gospel, but we put a little extra wrinkle into it for the common man to keep up with us, if you will. We, we introduce science and psychology to the mix because people may not believe the Bible, but they'll believe science, they'll believe psychology. And fortunately, those both support uh, that God is real, that his plan of salvation is real, and everything under that umbrella. So, without any further ado, ladies, in your own definition, before I give mine, who or what is God? Sister Tiffany, what do you think? God is, God is the, creator the creator of all, man, earth, everything. He's our father, brother. Okay, that's a pretty good definition. I like that. Uh, Sister Carol, do you want to piggyback or add something to that? What do you think? Who or what is God? He is the divine creator of all everything so he created the universe he also created the ants that walk on this planet so he created everything pastor michelle lay it on me who's who or what is god everything like all of us have been saying i couldn't wake up this morning without him giving that approval for me too but didn't your alarm clock wake you up? You, you hit that little button and you set your timer and it went boom and woke you up, right? That alarm clock had to wake me up, but something in the spirit had to touch me to hear it. Amen to that. I like the sound of that. Yeah, I like the sound of that. So uh, let's go into the um, definition of God. Let's keep it simple and then we'll evolve into uh what the three of you said so defined two things in christianity or other monotheistic religions monotheistic means they only believe in one god the creator and ruler of the universe and source of all moral authority the supreme being that's definition number one now definition number two gets a little squirrely in certain other religions an example would be uh, e Egyptians. They have more than 7,000 gods. Um, a superhuman being or spirit 
worshipped as having power over nature or human fortunes, a deity. So there's a difference between the supreme being and a deity. That's why you have two different, two, two different definitions, even though they seem very close in comparison. So that being said, the God we serve, Jehovah, okay, Jehovah. Um, he's om omnipotent, which means all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means all-knowing. He's omnipresent, which means he's pr all-present. And he's omnibenevolent, which means he's all good. So what do you ladies think that means, adding it to what you just said, that could take it to a whole nother uh, level there? What do you think? Is there more? Is there, is, there, is there anything else that needs to be said? No, <laughs> I would think not. I would think not. So let's look into this. Omnipotent, all-powerful. And we've talked about this before in other talks. God has never learned anything. He knows everything. Because to learn something, that means you, you come from a place where you didn't know that. Like a baby that's being born into this world don't know about the complexity of cars. The baby has to learn at 16 years of age how to drive that car safely. God has never learned that. Thing. So that means God was never born. He has always existed. Okay? So that's all powerful. And he designed, and someone else brought this up, the whole universe. And the universe is a very big place. And I've even read that there's more than one universe. Scientists have speculated that there may be dozens of universes out there. Even, even if there's only one, that is a lot of space. Let's give another definition or example of all-powerful. We live on the planet Earth. Okay? <laughs> and the planet Earth is in the Milky Way galaxy. Because remember we said we we're going to throw a little science and psychology so people could keep up with us. We live on a planet Earth that's in the Milky Way galaxy. There's what, eight, nine planets? I don't know, they're constantly changing it. Eight, nine planets in mm -hmm. our, our, our galaxy. And they all circle around this thing called a sun. Now, what's so interesting about Earth is this. We are, or this planet Earth is the exact distance from the sun to support life. If we were one degree closer, or one degree further away, life would cease to exist on this planet. So to me, that shows the perfection of God to create a planet for us to live on, an environment that can sustain itself on this planet, and us be the perfect existence from the sun so that we can survive. And to me, that's amazing. And I know a lot of people don't like to think about this. And you, you drive around uh, uh, the planet and you go into these nice places for vacation. I went to the Grand Canyon. I went to the top of Mount Everest. But we are still on a planet that's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, isn't that, it's, it's exciting and scary at the same time. It's exciting to know that we are, right, on this big planet in the middle, but we're in the middle of nowhere. And here's what's so scary about being in the middle of nowhere. In the, I believe it was in the 80s, early 80s, scientists put the, the Hubble Space Telescope into space. 
And they're looking at all these other galaxies and everything else that they're doing. Ho hum, ho hum. The main reason I was I learned that they put the Hubble Space Telescope up there was to map our galaxy. Why? Because they are afraid of something running into us and wiping us out. One of these big giant rocks in space flying around here that could wipe us out. And here's the proof as to how big even our Milky Way galaxy is. Of all the satellites that they have in space, and they got hundreds of them now, they've only managed, since the 80s, have only managed to map about 10% of our galaxy. And here's proof. Every now and then, something will go whizzing past the Earth, some big rock. And they'll always have it on the, on the news. Such and such rock just flew right past the Earth. They didn't know it was coming. All they knew it was here, and it went, boom, just that fast. So we're sitting in the middle of nowhere, and after all this time, other than the dinosaurs, there is nothing that has been big enough to land to wipe out mankind since we've been here. And if you think that's just blind, stinking luck, you got another thing coming. Brother Rob, what's up? Hey, how you doing, man? Mr. Rob, because he's married now. <laughs> that's my cousin doing, here. Man? What's up, cuz? How you feeling? I'm doing all right. How's everything going? Uh, life is great. Life is great. So we already had the discussion about God. We defined who God is. Everybody gave a, a beautiful, brilliant uh, definition of, of what they feel God is, and they're all true, all valid. Now we're going over the, the omnis of God. I mentioned that he's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, all-present, and omnibenevolent. So now we've just moved from omni-omnipotent. Does anybody want to add anything to the omnipotent uh, explanation, any definitions or explanations or any breakdowns you want to give on his omnipotent power, all-powerful? I have another one for you. Everybody, uh, everyone has heard of a snowflake, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I looked up a snowflake because I had heard when I was a kid that there are no two snowflakes that are ever the same. And there's been a lot of speculation from scientists that that's not true. How can you have, like in my backyard, we got a ton of snow out there and every one of those little tiny flakes are all different in all that snow we have out there. So I went into the math, of, the math behind this and I'm gonna throw some math at you. Um, snowflakes can be sorted into about 40 different categories, right? As far as the type of shape, there's, there's like 40 different categories of shapes of snowflakes. And there's estimated 10, one zero, to 158 power different snowflake possibilities. Now, you say, how big is a number? How big is that number? Well, let's scale it. That's 10 to the 70th power times more designs than there are atoms in the universe. Did y'all hear what I was saying? Yes. Yeah. So snow alone proves that somebody was so brilliant to put on into effect. There, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, God leaves not breadcrumbs, of his existence, he leaves boulder-sized breadcrumbs. You literally had to walk around a boulder. You you don't want to. You can't just walk through a boulder. You have to walk around a boulder. That's what kind of proof is out there in the universe of of God existing. So that's omnipotent. Now, before we go any further, Brother Rob, 
Yeah, how you doing, man? Who or what is God in your definition? Um, I would describe that as being the uh, impulse of the, the impulse or the pulse of the universe. So, you know, everything, the energy that drives the universe and everything that <clears throat> exists because of it, the force behind that is God in my definition. Amen. I like that. I Amen. Like that. I like that too. So you're basically saying if God sneezes, he could wipe us all out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Woo! But a mighty God we Yep. So omniscient, all-knowing. So what do you think would be a good definition of an all-knowing God? Well, one that's aware of everything, you know, both the knowledge in terms of um, intelligence and facts, as well as uh, knowledge of awareness of things. So what our thoughts are, what our motivations are, things that are not necessarily tangible, but things that exist. I like that. Anybody else? It's like those different shades of green I was telling you guys about. I never knew that there was so many different shades of green. As a child, you learn your colors, you learn about one color green. But I've seen so many different shades of green, there's no way that we're capable of that type of power. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. And from what I heard, heaven has colors that we don't even have on this planet. I can believe it. And they're richer. They're, they're totally different. Totally different. Any, anybody else? What the Bible said about God being all-knowing, it said God knows the number of hairs that are on your head. I don't know how many, well, it's easy to count mine because I don't have any, but for anybody oh, yeah. that has, <laughs> anybody, anybody that has, <laughs> underneath the surface. <laughs> anybody that has hair at any given time, can you go up against God on a guessing test? Well, he won't be guessing and guess, within i don't know ten thousand, how many hairs you have on your head and be accurate i don't think so so god knows everything you're going to do before you do it that's why it's kind of funny that it talks about in um in genesis how when adam and eve ate of the fruit and they discovered that oh we're naked oh my gosh we gotta put some clothes on and they said god came walking through the garden that evening like god was like Hey Adam, how you doing there, buddy? Uh, what are you doing? Why, why do you, why do you, why are you covering up? Oh, 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 Lord. Uh, uh I'm, I'm naked, Lord. <laughs> there was no surprise to God. God already knew what Adam and Eve was going to do. This is the only. Well, we're going to answer that question later as to why He put us there. So I won't go there for now. But God already knew what was going to happen. So he was already ahead of us. He always has been ahead of us. None of us can, none of the creation can outthink or outdo the creator. I had a good friend that put it into context for me. He said, God compared to man is like a human to an ant. And I said, okay, all right. So he said, you're walking on the sidewalk or in your grass, in your grass to say barefoot because grass feels good on your toes, right? And all of a sudden, this ant bites you on the foot. And you're thinking, ouch, why in the world did this ant just attack me? And the ant is going, 
Now, the ant, the ant is going to go home that night, if it survives, and it's going to tell his family, whew, I was walking in the grass, and the darkness came over me, and I panicked and bit it, and then it left. <laughs> so, that's, that's us compared to God. God is human. We're the ant. We don't have a clue about the power, the magnificence, greatness of God. We can only guess in this form. But his purity, God is so pure and powerful that in our human form, he can't even reveal himself fully to us. Because if he ever did, it would destroy your human body because of the sin in your human body. It will totally destroy your body. So people who've gone to heaven and visited, not one of them has come back and said they have seen the face of God. And they've all had different stories. Some said he was only 300 feet tall sitting in his chair. Some said they looked up and they saw his leg sitting in his throne. As far as the eye could see, all they saw was leg. God can make himself as big as the whole universe and feel 100% of it with 100% of all his knowing. He's 100% there. Or he can make himself smaller than the smallest particle of an atom all at the same time. That's the type of power that he has. All knowing, all knowing. Next, omnipresent, all present. What's your thoughts on omnipresent, all present? Remember as kids, those little white lies we told, right? I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to tell mom that, uh, 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 that, that this happened, right? This is our plan. We're going to tell mom this happened so she won't know the truth. God knows. He knows everything. Yeah, I'll say the omnipresence would be, you know, knowing everywhere, being everywhere, you know, in all things, you know, even places that we wouldn't think he was in our thoughts, you know, in the future, you know, just beyond the present dimension. There's two things that I, I've learned that Satan can't do. He can't create life the way God did it. And he can't read your thoughts. So he, temp he tempts you based on your patterns of behavior, right? But he can't read your thoughts. God can read your thoughts. He knows what you're going to do even before you even think about it. Here's, here's, here's another thought about the power of God. And we've talked about this before. Two people get into an auto accident. And they say, oh, this is blind, stinking luck that I got into an accident today on my way into work. Is it stinking bad luck? Or were you destined to be in that accident? So let's break that down. You had to get up at the right time, leave your house at the right time, be in your car at the right time, at the right place, at the right speed, at the right intersection, as that other person to have that accident. Now, do you still think it's just coincidence or bad stinking luck that you got into that accident? When you look at all those factors that had to happen so that you could be at that place at a specific time, then you find that it's your destiny. It was preordained by God for you to be there at that time. Nothing on this planet good or bad, happens without it benefiting the kingdom of God, whether it's good or bad. It benefits in the long run the kingdom of God. Why do you think God lets Satan loose on this earth? Earth is Satan's domain. 
God did that for a reason. We have to understand what it's like to do to be good under God by understanding what bad does to us. You can't, no one, no one knows what it's like to be poor if you got $300 million in your bank account. If you hit the lottery right now for $400 million, nobody's gonna be able to tell you anything about money. But as soon as you lose all that money, uh, <laughs> um, I know you were trying to tell me about how to spend my money right. I should have listened to you. It is through our lows in life that God teaches us the most, not our highs. It's through our lows and our valleys when, he's, when Jesus is carrying us that we, hit, we really learned our biggest lessons in life. So omnipresent. And the last one, omnibenevolent. Bene benevolent? Benevolent. All good. All good. And this is probably the most interesting one out of all these because what is it about good that trips up this world? Can any of you answer that? How does man define himself as being good? I was going to say, usually defines it by his intentions, while other people define it by another person's actions. Which makes sense to me because you always hear people say, I've never cheated anyone. I never stabbed or shot anyone or ran anybody over with a car. I'm a good person. Well, your definition of good is entirely different than God's definition of good. The very fact that you are in a human body automatically defers you from being good at all. So that little baby that you're holding that looks all cute and cuddly and everything is a sinful creature. It was in God's eyes, is a sinful creature. Now, because that baby is in that age of innocence, if your baby, you know, passes at that age, the baby will go back to heaven because the baby is not responsible for his or her own sin yet. And I always tell people, follow the Jews. If you want to know when the age of innocence is over, follow the Jews. Bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah. When you hit those teenage years and you know those difference between right and wrong because uh sister tiffany you got two handsome boys you have never sat them down in the sister tiffany school of learning and said i'm going to teach you both how to lie correctly so that when grandma <laughs> comes around you don't never get caught <laughs> you never done that because because grandma would get them and then come after you so <laughs> You know why you don't have to? Because it's inbred in our human DNA. It is. It starts off like this. They do something good as a babe. You reward them. They notice, right? They say, oh, I'm going to do it again. And they get a reaction from you. All right, that transcends into those twos and threes, and the rewards get bigger. And then they say, they figure it out. They go, oh, I didn't get that much of a reward this time because I didn't do something I was supposed to do. So I'm going to lie and say I did it so that I'll get my reward. And they figured it out. You didn't, you didn't directly tell them how to do that. They figured it out on their own. Those are those little white lies, but a lie is a lie is a lie as far as God is concerned. So... Um, that's, that's all a part of being human. But God is all good. We're not. He is. 
So he had to come up with a way of being able to converse with us because we're not that good. And if you go back in the Old Testament, Moses and a handful of others, matter of fact, when priests entered the temple, if they were unclean in spirit, they died immediately. When they had that, what, what was it called? The, um, the Ark of the Covenant. When the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy Temple and the Holy Priest went in to do what they were supposed to do inside the temple, they tied a rope around their waist because if they, if they were unclean when they went in, they died, hit the ground immediately and died. And they had to pull them out because nobody could go in and get them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the power of God. That's the power of God. You know, it says that when Moses went on the top of the mountain to receive the tablets, the Ten Commandments, God touched the burning bush and walked away. What Moses was dealing with was the remnant of God that was left behind. They call it Jesus, you know, the hem of God's skirt, basically. So he had a small remnant of God left on that burning bush, and it still almost consumed and killed Moses. When he came down, his face was so radiant, he had to cover it, they had to cover it with the cloth because nobody could stand to look at him. It aged him tremendously. He went up, a young guy came down, an old looking dude with white hair <laughs> and that glow. So that's the power of God. He's, he's all good. His definition of good is definitely different than our definition of good. So how can we prove, saints, how can we prove that God exists? Because as believers, we take it on faith that God exists. We don't need a whole bunch of proof. If you want it, it's out there. We talked about our universe and our galaxy and the greatness of it. We've talked about something as simple as a snowflake. I can go even further and talk about the human body and how amazing it is, but I'm not going to go there. But... What, you know, what are the clues for a non-believer? What other clues can you give them of God's existence? Anybody have any ideas? I guess every human being has an act of kindness within them. So since we all are born into sin, those acts of kindness shows that God is alive. That's an interesting thought. Anybody want to add uh, any, anything to that? I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, I think there's so many ways you can view what is proof. And I think different people have different <clears throat> ideas of what is proof to them. You know, like you said, we don't necessarily, some people look at the Bible as proof and that's it. You know, other people look at the existence of humanity and how things work. Uh, you know, some people look towards the science that we've acquired that we believe that God has given us. Uh, so I think it's, you know, it's, I guess it boils down to what's your definition of proof and, and you know, it goes in that direction. You know, I think there's so many ways that you can prove that, uh, you know, he exists. So um, like you said, you talked about coincidences, you know, things like that. So uh, it's a very complicated answer because, you know, there's just, there's just not one answer to that question. No, there is no one answer. And it's, it's because our God is so complex, there can never be one answer. But what's interesting, yeah. based on what both of you said, is as a human, the psychology of a human, we're designed to work more efficiently and better when we're happy. 
So it's an inherent nature of a human being to be happy. You have to go out of your way to be a mean, hateful person. So when you, when you actually run into one that's out there as an adult running around mean and hateful, they've had years, years of practice, years of existing this way to where they get to the point to where it's like automatically for them to act that way. When, and perfect proof of this is if you take a bunch of kids and put them in a sandbox, even if they don't know each other, what, will they na what do they naturally do? Play together. This kid don't look at another kid and go, I don't like the way he look, mama. He, he's brown. Uh, he don't look quite right. I don't see no kids doing that. And if they do do that, it's something that they learn from their parents. Kids will naturally gravitate towards each other and start playing. They figure it out. It's adults that have all these different, oh, your hair is too long. Oh, you're too tall. You're too ugly. You're too this. You're too that. Nah, we ain't got time for all that. So that's the psychology of man. Now, nature, in nature itself, we can find proof of God. Let's go back out into space. The Big Bang Theory. Everybody's heard of Big Bang Theory, right? Where scientists have postulated that there was one mass, and that mass exploded, and that's what created our universe to include our galaxy and the planet that we're living on now, the Earth. And I believe that to be true for this reason. When you go out into outer space, what they found is it's still expanding. So if a space is still expanding, that means at one point it was all one mass. But what I always bake their noodles with is this thought. If it all one mass and it exploded to become the Big Bang into what we have now, who put it all there? Who put it there? It, you know, they like to say, well, you know, it, it, it kind of just showed up on its own and there's no God behind it. And I was like, <laughs> do, do you? Well, they would, they would say that because that's merely their opinion. Yeah, that's their opinion. <laughs> but you know what they say, opinions are like, and everybody has one, so. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I think there is so much empirical proof that God exists that you have to go out of your way to say that God doesn't exist with all the empirical evidence that we have. Um, because to, to measure time, so as a, as a human, we live in four dimensions. I heard there's probably more than 30 different dimensions. We live in four, X, Y, Z, and time. Those are the four dimensions we live in. So I'm X, Tiffany, you're Y, the uh, distance from me to you to get to you is Z, and the time it takes me to drive down to you is time. Those are the four dimensions that the human body lives in. Now think about this. Humans who are born, who are creatures who are born onto this earth, have to evolve over time, right? God has never evolved because he has always known everything, which means he has always been here, which means God exists outside of time. That means God had to create time because he created us. He created his angels. In the beginning, there was only the word. And the word was with God. That's straight out of Genesis, right? So God created time when he created the universe. So when he put the mass there and exploded it, at the beginning of that explosion, 
tick, 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 tick. That's when time began. It's very simple. And I can go round and round with some of the best scientists over this, and they'll always lose because there's so many different ways I could trip them up in their explanation of things. I try not to, but because everybody's everybody's to find their own way, their own path. What I do, I throw the nugget out there, and I let God water and grow their tree over time, and He usually will. Computer science have gotten so vast and complex that they're starting to point to the existence of God because they're able to formulate data at such a powerful and, and uh, fast rate that man can't, that they're pulling us back towards God. So it's been a lot of that happening, and they call it model, modal logic, which was created back in the 60s with some of the first computers. But modal logic is a collection of formal systems to represent statements about necessity and possibility. I think, therefore, I exist. So if P is necessary, then, uh, then it is also possible. So we've, we've gone be way beyond that to improve that God really does exist. Quantum physics also proves it, and the space-time continuum proves it. Point back to the existence of God. So now that we answered the what, right, let's go into the next question. Why? Why did God create all of this? Why did he create us? Brother Rob, why did God create us? Why did God create all this? I don't think he ever gave us an answer. You know, maybe there is an answer it's in the scripture somewhere, but, you know, in my studies, I've never actually seen an explanation for the why of creation. You know, I've only seen that, uh, you know, you hear theories, you know, people say like, maybe he was lonely or, you know, something like that, but, but I don't really think that's is, something. Right. Loneliness is a human condition. It's not a God yeah. condition. It's a human yeah, condition. So. Yeah. But I was, my, my real answer would be, um, I don't think he ever gave us an explanation. One that we would understand anyhow, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Sister Carol, why did God create all this? Why did he create us? I can only well, speculate that God. he, with him creating the universe, he felt like he needed to feel it with some presence. From my teaching, the creatures were created in the beginning. And then he felt like he needed to create man. When he realized the error of his ways, he created women. That was a little joke. Ha, ha, ha. No. <laughs> then all was right. I, I, I can only imagine that. <laughs> see, see the, women, the women understood that. The guys were like, Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, thanks for breaking it down so that brother Rob and I can keep up because I was like <laughs> I don't uh, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's the only thing that I can even imagine to even begin to um, to begin to, to take on his level that he, he created the universe and he realized hey it's empty I think to piggyback off of her answer, um, if you're looking at Genesis and what it says, he did assign us to be stewards of the earth after he created it. So maybe he, as he was creating the earth, he realized, you know what, I need, you know, some, I need some beings to take care of all of this in my name. And maybe that's why he must have created it. But if we go back to him being all knowing, he knew we were yeah. going to mess up. Yeah. So why would he do that? 
Pastor Michelle, why did God well, do all to, this? I have to agree with Rob. I don't think our mentality is actually heightened enough to give a definition to that because he knows way more than we do. Our brains are small compared to his all-knowing. So I can't even pretend to know why. I like that answer. I like all your answers. All your answers are, in my opinion, 100% uh, valid and, and it make good sense. I, I have a, a thought. If you look at the Bible itself, it, it sort of throws a few boulder-sized breadcrumbs out there at us. Uh, and you only have to look at, at two, two uh, entities, uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, and Satan, Lucifer. So in the beginning, there was only God. At some point, God created all the angels to include Lucifer. At some point, he also created all of us. And I'm not talking about humans. I'm talking about souls, because remember in the Bible, it says that when a child is born, God knits the spirit onto the flesh. So what that means is at some point we were in heaven with God. So God decided to send us down to the earth in body. So like an assignment, if you will, it, all, it had to start with Satan, the fall of Satan. Wherever God is, evil can exist. So what, what it says in the scripture is that God had to pull back his hand from Satan when he saw certain things inside of Satan, even though he made them. When he saw certain things inside of Satan's character, Lucifer's character, he pulled back himself and Lucifer fell into sin. That's what it says in the scripture. So at that point, you already know the rest. He went and tried to conquer heaven and a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven. That was all part of God's master plan. Because remember the Bereshit prophecy, and I, I'll be happy to send this video to you, Sister Carol. It, the Bereshit prophecy is based on, um, you know, the Hebrew language and, and the uh, Torah. And if you go into the, um, in the beginning, just that, the beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, if you go back and put it back in their language, it actually gives you a whole in-depth explanation pointing to the return of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, to this earth. So from the very beginning of creation, God already had made a plan to send his son here to save us because he already knew we were going to be here. If you look at the age of our known universe, they postulated that it's, what, 400 million years old or something like that. I mean, it Time to God is nothing. <laughs> it, it says, uh, uh, what, a day is to a second about time, but he uses time to teach us. We're all, all five of us, young, good-looking people, but you know what? We look much younger and much better 15 years ago. So we're on a timeline that even though it's circular for a believer, for people of this world, it's linear because they say, oh, I'm a baby. I get old one day and I pass. We look at it differently. We look at it cyclically. I came from God. I'm put into this body. I go to a certain time period when he's ready to call me home. I spread my wings. I give up my body. I go back to God. So it becomes cyclic for us. It's an entirely different way of looking at it. So Satan's fall was instrumental in God's plan for man to be here. 
uh, at a certain point and for Jesus to come back and save all of us for the remission of our sins. When man yes, he did all of that, but why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. You know, Michelle, I'm glad you said that because I, 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 I constantly think about free will. If he wanted us to be uh, perfect or whatever he had envisioned, why did he give us free will? Ding, 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 ding. Give that smart woman the brass ring. That is, ex from what I've learned, that's exactly why God put us here. He wanted us to come to him of our own free volition. God can force anybody to serve him. He rather not. He doesn't view it being true servitude of love if he's forcing us to come to him. And if you notice, you could be standing at that precipice of serving God or serving man, serving God, serving man. And he'll put every little carrot in front of you you'll ever need, the holy carrots, to have you come on his side. But you know what? If you choose to go that way, he's going to deal with you on that side too. But he has everything. Why? Why create us? Well, he definitely wasn't bored. <laughs> <laughs> we were all up in heaven having a good time. Why? 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 Why did he want to create all that he has created? Probably will never know that answer. Not in human form. I agree <laughs> with Brother Rob on that. I, don't, I think as a human, we will never ever evolve enough to fully under i mean does an ant understand what a human really is no no <laughs> they're they're born they they're all about survival of their little species and a few weeks later they're gone so very short existence it's all meaningful to them being an ant but in contrast to being a human it doesn't really mean that much and mm -hmm. we're only here for what about that long 80 years at the most? What's the, what's the life expectancy now? 75? 75 is nothing. It looks like 45 these days. Hey! <laughs> easy now. Easy you know, now. Back in the time of Christ, people used to, used to live five, six, seven hundred years or more. Well, there's Not a reason anymore. for that. There's a reason for that. Well, you know, bro, maybe it's because of, it's even like what you said about that cycle. That cycle of time, things lasted a lot longer back then, and now the time is winding down. You know why we're living less and less years today? Because of the evilness of these bodies. If you look at the impurities that we put into our bodies, not, not only physically, but in our minds as well, we're, our bodies are crappy compared to the way they used to be. Remember, Methuselah lived but, at 969 years old. I don't believe that it's the bodies because there's a spirit inside of that body, mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's just that spirit that is bad that makes that body age differently. That's interesting. We're going to go into that in just a, my a different study. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go into that in a different study when we actually talk about um, some of the uh, men and women of the Bible, like Moses and uh, Noah. Uh, Noe or Noah, but you guys are bringing up some interesting things about God, and 
you know, the ultimate design of today's discussion is to get people who don't believe in God at all to really look at God and say, you really do exist. You really do care about me. I don't, I don't think, I think people fall in love with things and Satan is good at keeping you interested in things, right? I got a beautiful car out there. I'm going to go out there every day and wax that car and shine up my rims and, you know, play my little music in my car, my little bump, bump music all out. But when I'm doing those things may seem so simple, I'm sinning while I'm doing them. And you say, well, how can you sin if you're just washing and waxing your car and playing your music loud and bump, bump, bump? Because when I'm doing those things, I'm not thinking about God. I'm not spending any time with God. I'm not reading my word. I'm not praying. I'm not fasting. I'm not doing anything I'm supposed to do. So to God, a sin is anything that takes you away from him. It's a very simple explanation. It's anything that takes you away from God can be considered a sin. If you eat too much potato chips, you are sinning. Sorry, I love my barbecue chips, though. But, you know, if I'm not thinking of God while I'm eating them, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and it's by his grace, by the grace of the sacrifice that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ made. That's the gospel. That's what we're here to spread is the gospel of God. So listener who's out there, your goodness, okay, your goodness is not going to save you. You have a choice to make. Are you going to serve the world in your own self-interest? Or are you going to serve our creator who put us here? I challenge you, listener, to go out into the world. Don't take any of our word for any of this. You do your own uh, in-depth study on who and what God is. And I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. I tell people all the time who say, oh, how do, how do I know? How, how can I find who God really is and what he wants of my life? I said, ask him. Well, how, you know, I have to pray. I don't believe in prayer. I said, do you know what prayer is? It's a, it's a respectful conversation. That's all prayer is. Right now, we're in concert and prayer with each other because we're having a respectful conversation and we're talking about God. We're in prayer right now. So a prayer is you talking directly to God through his son, Jesus Christ, in a respectful manner, in a, in a form of humility. If you come to God in humility, even as a non-believer, and say, God, send me proof of your existence. Everybody that I told that to, I said, but be careful. Be careful. If you ask, he's going to let you know, and it's going to shock you. It's going to shock you, but he's going to answer you. It may take some time if your heart is not right, but he will eventually ask you when, because God doesn't make mistakes, you'll, you will find out the truth. So listener, if you want to know more about God, his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, ask, ask. You, you can ask a preacher. You can ask Brother Rob, Sister Tiffany, Sister Carol, Pastor here, Michelle. You can ask me, Brother Fred, or you can just get on your knees and just say, Lord, who are you? What do you want from me? I ask God that all the time. When I'm acting bad and God is chastising me, and trust me, God, he has a way of getting your attention, and it's different for everybody. So in closing, how does God get your attention? I want each one of you to let me know, how does this Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, get your attention when he wants you to spend time with him or you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing? Uh, usually something will be brought to my attention, you know, that 
you could originally view as a coincidence, but then you kind of realize that there's something deeper than that. And that's when the, that's, that's the way it's always happened with me. I like that. Sister Tiffany, how does God get your attention? Through my dreams. Yeah, you've had some amazing dreams. <laughs> you, are, you are gifted with sight. You, you have an amazing vision. And your dreams are so prolific. They're like scary. This is like, wow. Interesting. Uh, Pastor Michelle, how does God get your attention? Through strangers. Really? How? Because it's strangers that come and talk to me about things I talk to God about. And I, they don't know me and I don't know them. So if that answer is coming to me, it's coming through to me through strangers. Because he knows pretty much most of the people that I know, they can only tell me the, the minimal. He know I listen to a stranger because they don't know me. Okay. Sister Carol, how does God get your attention? In various ways. Um, through positives to negatives, because he has a way of humbling you. When you get you 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 get on your high horse and your britches are too big for you, he brings you down. He did different ways, whether it's direct through family, through loved ones, through strangers. He has a way. He has a way, and you usually know. You know, you tell folks, so I can't tell you, but you know when it happens. You know, man, he's a brand. Something I shared with. Uh... Uh, Pastor Michelle the other day, uh, when God wants my attention, the Holy Ghost will flat out. I, I could feel him nudging me. Look at your phone. Look at the power bar on your phone. Every time he tells me to look, it's either 88, prophetic number, 77, prophetic number, 33, prophetic number, or 66, number of man. So usually when I'm doing something bad, it's always 66. When I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, it'll be a 77, 88, or a 33. Every time, every time, how, this is not something I'm making up. Every time he said, look at your phone. Like the other day, I got off the, I got off the phone with you, Michelle, and I, what was it, 33? Right there on my phone. I couldn't believe it. I took a picture of it, sent it to her. Happens to be all the time, almost on a daily basis it happens. Now, we're going to close with Tiffany's. I didn't, I didn't forget about you, Tiff. You had an amazing dream that you uh explain to us uh during one of our studies but for the listeners that are out there the thousand of listeners that are going to be hearing this eventually i want you to tell them the dream you had because to me it was purely prophetic of a future state event that's going to occur that we're going to be talking about in the next few upcoming weeks so lay it on us tiff which one, which one? you talking about the one with the yeah oh yeah so, so it was me. It was me and Mikey Boy. And Tiff, we get a lot of bad reverb here. So yeah, you're echoing. You're echoing. Is it? Yeah. Maybe if um Miss Carol um mutes her phone, that might get rid of that. Oh, just blame it on me. <laughs> 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 Because <laughs> you guys are in the same room, yeah. Yeah. So, All right, go ahead, Tim. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Somewhere, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was me and my two boys. We were on this beach. It was like a cloudy day. 
And I see this guy walking towards us and he's like, he's, he was really calm, but he, to me, he kind of looked like Jesus a little bit. He had the beard and everything. And he was like, you don't have much time. He came, he came directly to me and his boy, he was like, you don't have much time, you don't have much time. He was like, you need to go prepare. So I'm looking like, looking around like, okay, prepare for what? So I'm telling the boys, you know, we're, like we're right there on the edge where the water is. And so I started building almost like a fort with these rocks. And so as soon as I built it, I told the boys to get in. And of course, you know, Kari will look at me like, okay, what's going on? Knock I get in. And once I get in with them, like I could see like this hole that I can look out of, like a little peephole. And as I know, I see something coming down, like just almost like, almost like falling stars or whatever. And then as I know, I look up further in the sky and there's this huge burning rock-like thing that looked like an asteroid coming towards us. And as I know, it hit the water. And everybody see everybody running everywhere. And next thing I know I just like I see the flash and not next I know I wake up. It's just I'm looking around me like, okay, where am I? <laughs> so yeah. And, since then, I just, and that dream, the rocks hitting the earth is right out of Revelations. And we're gonna be covering all that in the next few weeks. So listeners that are out there. Come tune back in with us in the next few weeks and hear more about what's going to happen on this planet. Everything that's in the Bible, and I know a lot of people talk about Nostradamus. Nostradamus dabbled in the black arts. That's how he knew some of the things he knew. However, he he was only accurate half the time. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth has been accurate 100% of the time for everything that has ever predicted. And we're going to be talking about that too as to how and why in the next few, in the next uh, lesson or two that's coming up. So for any listeners out there, ask Jesus, ask God, who are you? What do you want from me? And submit yourself to the will of Jesus. He will not hurt you. He is loving. He is kind. He is beautiful. He will show you the error of your ways, but more importantly, he will forgive you. You will receive a blessing, okay? And then you're on your way. It's as simple as that. Confess your sins. You are a sinful creature. You're not perfect. You may not have stolen anyone from any, anyone, but that doesn't mean you're perfect. You're far from being perfect. Okay, you fall, all of us are, we all fall short of the glory, but hearing the gospel and accepting it, Lord, I am a sinful creature. Please forgive me of my sins. You are automatically on the side of good, on the side of righteousness, and you will receive a double portion of blessing from God because of that. Now, you have to continue to walk in that faith, though, because you are considered a babe in Christ at that time. So you have to be fed just like a baby. You have to be clothed in the word of God just like a baby. You have to pray. So start with this simple prayer. And everybody online knows what this prayer is. Our Father who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Let us fall not into temptation, but dear Lord, deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That is called the Lord's Prayer, listener. Mm -hmm. And by praying that prayer, you have covered all the bases of what God thinks of you, how he views you and, your, and his sacrifice for his son for the remission of our sins, your acceptance of that gift, right? And just praying that every day. And then afterwards, talk to God. Say, God, I've been thinking about blah, blah, blah. And you'll start to grow. You, you, you're taking those baby steps. But when a baby gets to be 12 years old, guess what? They're running track. So you'll be taking those steps and get into a church, a faith-based church, someone that can grow your help, grow your faith. And you'll continue to be running with wings. All right. So I want to say thank you to our panel. I want to say thank you to Sister Carol for joining us. God bless you. Come back. Pastor Michelle, God bless you. Sister Tiffany, God bless you. Mr. Brother Robert, see, I call you Mr. because he's married now, <laughs> see, right? <laughs> he just got married, what, last week? Yeah, uh, yeah been been about yes. 10 days, still, thank you. You still got that new husband smell, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After 10 years, mine is worn off, amen. So, but I still, uh, word of I'm advice, still if you remember this, you'll be fine. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're going to wrap it up. God bless you all. And we'll follow that. All right. Bye-bye. Have a nice evening, everyone. Bye.